and wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die. Hello and welcome back to another Toronto Till I Die, the Toronto FC fan show. I'm Mike Newell, and what a difference a number nine makes. That's it. No witty, no other witty entrance other than that. Uh, we're, on this week's show, we're going to recap TFC's 1-0 win against NYCFC. Wax on about CJ Sapong, uh, and could he be the short slash maybe longer than you think term uh, solution uh, for TFC and their number nine woes. And of course, we will get to this week's burning question. Uh, lots to dig into, obviously. So let's just get straight into it with your co-hosts, Michael Singh and Jeffrey P. Nesker. Gentlemen, how was your weekend? Go Leafs, go. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, how did, how did you all take in Saturday? Because that was a mega Saturday for a lot of people. I actually saw a friend of the show, uh, Dwayne Rollins, miss the 509 that I, my friend and I, just shimmied ourselves into. And it was absolutely packed. And we were on that 509 when the Leafs scored an OT. So there were like cheers just reverberating around the streetcar. It was actually kind of cool, like that sort of communal experience. I'll always remember where I was when the Leafs won in overtime to, to break that, uh, to break the curse. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Good game. Really good game. They have draft beer back at BMO, which is pretty fantastic. Isn't that crazy that the you win one playoff round and the city just erupts in the fashion that it did? Obviously, 19 years, so it's been a long time coming. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, like I was definitely one of the people that were erupting <laughs> during <laughs> that time. Uh, but yeah, you know, car horns going late into the night. Some people are having trouble sleeping. The city was on fire and it was one of those days that we saw Bernadeschi, you know, tweeted about shut up. Bernadeschi oh my God. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's a, got the passion. Yeah. He's got the, the Leafs passion. one, the Jays one, and of course TFC one. So it was a rare day in Toronto sports and uh, yeah. Oh I man. Any- I, I won't stand for you besmirching my Marley's like that. They lost. So it wasn't a, it wasn't well, a don't straight get You don't win. You don't sweet. get to talk to, you yeah. know, you yeah. don't talk, get mm-hmm. talked about if you don't win this town, we're a winning town now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was cool. Cause you know, obviously we were leaving BMO field um, feeling good right after a one nil win, they actually looked pretty decent in the game. Um, you know, you get your number nine scoring goal on his debut. Uh, and then like, as we're going through the go tunnel towards, uh, Liberty village afterwards, you just hear this sudden roar that like rumbles from the mm-hmm. back and starts making way to his front. And then right away, you know, okay, at least one, at least one in over. Yeah. yeah. Like you didn't yeah. have to see it to know it happened. Right. So like, it was I was desperate cool to get home, man. Like I was like, Oh God, thank God I'm on the streetcar. Let's get to union and home as quickly as possible because I'm going to the worst possible spaces yeah. for when this is about to occur. So yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Here's a question for you guys before we get mm. into the show. Cause like, since we're now talking, no, we're in it, we're in the show. Toronto. We're, we're, we're in it right now. Moments. Yeah. Mm. Uh, October, October 14th or October 15th. Now I'm forgetting the day. Um, 2015, where were you? It was Jiminko comes back from Italy, scores the, the goals that get us to the playoffs. It was also bat flip night, um, at the Jays for Jose Bautista. Were you guys in the stadium that night? Where were you guys? I wasn't in the uh, city. I was, I was in Europe actually. I'm pretty (laughs) sure. So, so yeah, yeah. I didn't even see it until later unfortunately i remember watching both of those events i was still in school though i was at the university of western ontario western university um in london probably probably a couple of beers deep actually definitely a couple of beers deep. Oh, definitely, definitely a couple, a couple of beers, beers deep, deep. definitely yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah, the city i remember because we had a my friend had a condo right at right across from the rogers center that summer and mm. remember seeing the city in a way that you know i've never seen it the amount of blue jays gear and blue jays fans that were flooding the streets literally every single day you could you couldn't turn the corner without seeing 
yeah. uh, some blue that summer. That was obviously the summer the Jays made a bunch of moves and were trying to push for the postseason. Shout out to Alex Anthopoulos for for doing that. And then was that Josh Donaldson time? Was that yeah? Was that, that was Donaldson that was, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. peak Donaldson MVP time. season. Yeah, yeah. 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 MVP yeah. season. That's when they acquired all those big names at the deadline: True Tulowitzki, David Price. Mm-hmm. Oh the first yeah, time David that... Price. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the first time the Jays uh, made the postseason in. Well, it was the last one, the World Series. <laughs> exactly. Twice. Exactly. They won it twice. They did. They did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, now hopefully we're back to sort of a positive time right now when it comes to Toronto sports because the Leafs are doing well. The Raptors are kind of in flux right now. The Jays are amazing. And TFC? TFC? Uh, TFC? <laughs> well, uh, TFC. We'll, yeah, we'll get to that uh, in a second. Just really quickly, I was at BMO Field on Bad Flip Night. Um, yeah. I was in the south end on that Seba's, night. Seba's goal, bat flip. I'm sorry. No, I know that's I'm, fair. I know I'm a homer, but no, that, no, no, no. Like the, the, watching agree. him undress the entire New York Red Bulls after getting off a plane, like, is the stuff that legend is made out of. You no, know I, I mean? agree. Like the bat I, flip's pretty iconic. Look, you know? like, <laughs> if you like, like, look, don't get me wrong. Yeah. If you were mm. at, if you got Roger Center for the bat flip, obviously that's going to be the most epic thing because that whole inning leading up to that bat flip is like the most epic, weird yeah. thing you will ever see in baseball, yeah. right? Especially it was against the, was against it, the it was against the Rangers. Against the Rangers, too. right? Like mm-hmm. they were Arch chirping back and forth. Time. And yeah, exactly. But being in the stadium for Javinko to come off the bench in the second half and do that and, and do, do that. that and do mm-hmm. that. And I'm in the capital stand at the time. And it came darting towards me into the back, into that corner. Like it was pandemonium. It was like unbelievable, unbridled pandemonium because this team had never been good up until that yeah, point. I yeah. think, and, I say and it lasted for a week until Dieg did. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a happy souls, moment yeah. considering yeah, yeah. that we had no happy moments really up until that point. And, and like, that's the point right there. Mm-hmm. We forget sometimes that there was a history before of TFC before 2015, before yeah. Sebastian Javico got here. <laughs> um, but like that night mm-hmm. was like all the, all the emotions, all the people that yeah, had been there felt for like, so it long. It felt like, what like you like your time had been like. worth it yeah. like your it, it yeah. finally paid off right yeah. yeah um so rolling into this tfc as you were alluding to michael i wonder if Great we're starting segue. maybe to turn into that i'm not saying we're there yet by any stretch of the imagination i know there's a lot to work on but i think we saw some positive signs in a one nil win against nycfc on saturday um before we get I into need all to the particular for one second go ahead go ahead Jeff. just because i offered it to martin bailey and he didn't want it but my dad at my parents house has an unopened domer from the opening of the sky dome in 1987 it's still in its cellophane wrap do you know do you remember who domer was I he do was the og was. sky dome he yeah, wasn't a, 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 a mascot for the blue jays he was a mascot for the sky dome <laughs> i know there's a by my office yep. there's a uh mm-hmm. there's a museum that's i think they're going to reopen fairly soon i may be looking mm-hmm. cat out of the bag and i probably shouldn't have said that but like they might be doing that for the sky dome because there's all sort of memorabilia and stuff they dug up what i'm when getting they, around they, to saying is how cool would your desk look with a domer on it mike uh, exactly <laughs> this this is a conversation for when we're not live on the air yeah anyway, no fair enough yeah, yeah, but yeah. um getting back to just the tfc here just for a second <laughs> like um I, I think we're we might be seeing a uh <laughs> hey man you know that's the, that's I the host broke Mike i gotta i gotta get that's you, I gotta get I you back to on let's yeah. get us back on cue um because <laughs> you said great segue like right before that and then you no i meant the other one and then i destroyed everything i murdered everything segue i was yeah no i plowed through it like a like a snow, like just just chose violence 100 percent. yeah what is going on uh no um <laughs> but like you know when you think about um you know this team and in the way that it's been evolving over the last couple of seasons right like you know y- you see sort of this changeover in roster from the the golden era really right into sort of this young team that you're trying to build some players through and now you're coming on the other side where you're starting to Build something that might be another team that could go on another type of, you know, Chivinko, Altador, Bradley era run. I wonder what you guys sort of thought of Saturday night. What did you see that encouraged you? Um, we will talk about CJ Sapong. So maybe hold the CJ mm-hmm. Sapong comments for a second. But um, outside of that, like, what did you see mm-hmm. that sort of sort of got you sort of nodding your head and be like, okay, let me set the table, Mikey Singh. Go ahead. Uh, 
generally speaking, uh, Mikey Singh's colleagues, all MLS HQ, are now ringing. They're buying TFC stock again. Um, uh, Matty Doyle, especially, uh, is like, I expect TFC to climb up the charts. Something that I noticed in the sort of afterglow of CJ Sapong's debut uh, is this seems to be a, a thing with him. He's a bit of a journeyman, so he moves clubs all the time. He always gets hot when he moves clubs. So buckle up, guys. We're going to see a bit, a lot of goals coming in. Third debut goal for CJ Sapong. Yep. So, like, he's obviously been on like five, six teams, I think, in his career. Uh, three of those times he scored on his debut. So, yeah, you're right, Love Jeff. It. He has that going from yeah in terms of, oh sorry go ahead mike go ahead yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. i was wondering if, if jeff had anything else um for me like the biggest uh positive i think is that after that game in philadelphia tfc got back to doing what they were doing really well throughout the first course of the season and that obviously is just so solid defensively against a new york city fc team that was they were in form, right? They were coming yeah. to BMO Field feeling confident. Sure, losing Gabriel Pereira before the start of the match the day before, that's not ideal. Um, but still, you got to give a lot of credit for TFC who really didn't give up any. Maybe Keaton Park's drive on the end line might have been the only one that Sean Johnson had to come out and kind of put out that fire. Um, but they really didn't give up much uh, defensively, which I think is really important to talk about. Obviously, getting Matt Hedges back in there. That's such a, Huge. he makes that side so much better. Um, I've been so impressed by what I've seen from Matt Hedges through the first, what, quarter, just over a quarter of the season. Um, he's proven to be super, super important. And I know, you know, me personally, I had my doubts about whether or not he would be able to live up to his price tag and the expectation that was going to be dawned on his shoulders because of just how bad TFC's defense has been the last couple of years, but he's come through and absolutely lived up to expectations and then some. So, yeah, getting Matt Hedges back in there, he makes his defender beside him, Sega Rosta, that much more um, mm -hmm. impressive. And there's a kind of, I know you have notes on this moving forward. There's a couple more places I want to go. I know we're going to get to them, but, yeah, just shout out their, their defense overall. I thought that was a another really strong performance and that's what instilled confidence in, in me because they have that part set now it's i think i hope it's just about figuring out how to make more chances offensively yeah and i'm gonna sort of put my hand up here and just uh apologize to sigurd roasted because i think at the beginning of the season i said he might be the one sort of new signing that really struggles to adapt to the league hmm. um he is not having any of those problems. Um, I think obviously having Matt Hedges beside him, I think has been a big help, as you mentioned, Mike. Um, you know, and I think that, it, and I think also what what makes him, what the, makes those two tick, but especially Sigurd Rosset is that a, he's very calm on the ball. Sometimes, yes, he's not always accurate in his passing, but very calm on the ball, like not really he always has an idea of what he wants to do with it. Right. And I think that's really important. It's not always the cleanest pass. Um, I know Chris Fong is honest about that, but you know, at the same time, I think that overall he is a, a solid, solid sort of choice to have beside Matt Hedges. And it really does start to build that defense out. Jeff, go ahead. I know you uh, want to jump Well, in. let me, let me tell you what, what I divine from all this. We rally on recruitment for this club. Often recruitment is hard. It's not just, you know, I want that player. It's agents, it's trade windows, it's MLS, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I think we can agree. I don't want to say entirely different, but Sigurd Rosted without Matt Hedges there is a very different player. The two of them balance each other out quite a bit. I can only see this as a plus, you know, let's raise a glass to, to sporting director Bob Bradley. Let's give him the rare W here. He's put together a, a, a core, a starting number one and two center back that are actually much, much better when they play together than when they don't, which is kind of what we wanted. Um, you know, and I'm not going to open the argument to what does that mean when one gets injured, et cetera, et cetera, because you can dilute any point by pulling out the strands. Like at the end of the day, I think that's pretty cool. And, and you, you see it right there, like the two of them together on Saturday night 
really put into sharp relief what we were missing in Matt Hedges. And and so you're seeing a team and and you know, we're not going to talk about CJ. It says right here on the rundown, hold CJ until we until we start talking about CJ, but you can't help but apply that to the number 9 position and what we saw. Very very small sample size with the asterisks that this is what he does when he moves teams. So I'm just buckling in, getting all the popcorn ready for all the highlight reel goals. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, it, it's enormously um, emboldening. And I do think we need to get, we need to give uh, uh, Bob a, a, a rare W here. For sure. And I think, you know, look, it, it's, it, you know, he's kind of forced into a couple of moves in this match. You know, Jonathan Osorio, uh, for this for this match, you really do have to shuffle the midfield a little bit. But now I think you realize that you do have some depth there, right? Like I think you realize with Coelho, with uh, Cervania, who now to me is undroppable. Now Insigne's back and he's still not being dropped from the Yeah, end, right? he's undroppable. So, so, you know, and obviously that's partly due, down to injury. We get that. Like mm-hmm. Michael Bradley and Jonathan Osorio are fit. They're probably starting. But, you know, you now know that you have pieces that can come in and step in and do a job for you, right? Um, and that's incredibly important, especially when we came into the season not really knowing what would happen in that midfield if one of those guys went down or two, especially two of them at the same yeah. time, right? So, oh, so and Bradley, let's let's name them, you know, right? Like we, exactly. If you had said we'd lose them for any period of time in the off season when we were planning this season out, we would have said, okay, that's wooden spoon right there. Like even a three game spell, there's nobody there, and look at how wrong we were. So yeah. Yeah, no, I think they've done well. And I think it's also, you know, the, the other thing, I, and we'll get to the midfield here because we'll, we'll talk about it too as well. But um, just really shout out to, I think, Lorenzo Insigne. I thought his growing influence on the team is starting to show as he gets fitter, as he gets more minutes uh, with the squad, his influence is growing on the team for sure. Yeah, he had a really good game. And another thing we got to absolutely commend Bob Bradley for is the decision to give him the captain's armband. Mm-hmm. Right, there are a couple candidates on TFC that absolutely could have worn the armband. One of them being Bernadeski, Matt Hedges, Richie Larea, Sean Johnson, of course. A, a lot of guys who were former captains at the previous mm-hmm. clubs. Lorenzo Insigne, of course, was a previous captain of Napoli. But I think, you know, just with Ozo and and Michael Bradley, I feel like part of the decision to give Lorenzo Insigne the captain's armband is because. Bob Bradley saying to him, okay, yes, you were out through the first stretch of this season and you weren't necessarily part of the group because you were just simply injured. But just as a as a reminder from the coach that, hey, you're still our guy. Hey, you are still going to be, you know, we need you here. And for Bob Bradley to give him the captain's armband, I think instilled a little bit more confidence in, in Insigne. And I actually thought, and this is, one of the things I disagreed with in your article, Jeff. Yeah, I was just, um, I'm, I'm sitting here chomping at the bed. Yeah, let's go. Let's go, go. For it, boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things I disagreed with was I, I loved Insigne's game on on Saturday night. And not because he created a ton of chances offensively, although he did create a pretty decent amount. And CJ that Sepulveda, shot he got off from nowhere in stride was vicious, absolutely vicious. The shot, like yeah. he had yeah. darted in a couple gorgeous balls right into the feet of CJ Sapong. And Sapong been a little bit tighter with his finishes, his touches, like he would have probably mm-hmm. uh, found mm-hmm. the back of the net. But just his buy-in on both sides of the ball, and that maybe comes with being wearing the captain's armband is that you honestly take a little bit more pride in, in, you know, setting the tone for your side. So that means working both defensively and offensively. And I thought he actually worked his tail off uh, Saturday. He does work defensively, but I thought there was even a little bit extra from Insigne on Saturday night. And again, I think that a lot of that might have been because he was wearing the captain's armband. I got to give it to you, pal. I mean, you, you almost convinced me. I mean, I was expecting to get, Molly walked for this comment in, in the good, the bad and the ugly, which I've resurrected for waking the red. And I'll just read it out loud. Um, it's in my bad column. And I said, am I the only one who is low key disappointed with Lorenzo's game last night? He looked like if he didn't get the ball delivered in stride, he'd recycle it back every time. Um, I went on, you'll have to read the article. So what you're saying is what I saw as a reluctance to attack because it wasn't air quotes, mine perfect was him taking extra responsibility because of the armband around his arm. That's a pretty good counter argument, Mike saying. Like that's yeah. that's a pretty good counter argument, and I, I'm 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 giving you points for that one. That and he's also isolated on the wing by himself 
quite a bit. And you have Kobe Franklin there, who um, we'll get to, who had a fantastic game, but it's not necessarily the best option to go attack with with beside Insigne. So there are times where he was just forced to, you know, as you mentioned, hmm. recycle possession. But there were some instances where, you know, there was that one play where I think he got fouled and he got up and yelled at the ref. He had an absolutely gorgeous run. He had the intent of beating players 1v1, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, we don't see too often from Insigne at this age. He can, sure, he can step beside a guy and, um, you know, good dribbler and all of that, but just that ability to beat a player, get a step on him and not look back. I thought we saw a little bit more of that from Insigne. It just looked like hmm. he really was working his tail off on Saturday. And I, I thought it was one of his better performances, honestly. Yeah, and I think that that comes into a comment that uh, that Sean Levy made on the Tunnel Club yesterday was in terms of the the press that TFC put on. I felt like in this game, there was much more of a concerted effort to press and step as a team when when NYCFC tried to play the ball out of the back, and and that only works. That only really works like, again. Caesar Sapong is willing to do that kind of work, and and I guess we should go into to it at, at this point. But it only works if. Bernadeschi and Insigne are also bought in to that, right? Mm-hmm. Because it, you mm-hmm. can't just have him press uh, the center back alone with the ball, right? It, it's got to be both of them willing to also put that pressure in. And they both were. They both were in it last uh, on, on Saturday night. And I think that made a massive difference in the way and the tempo at which TFC played. For the first time, even against the, the win against Miami, in many yeah. ways, TFC for long stretches of the game controlled the tempo of the game. Yes, I know they gave the ball away a little bit later and sort of sat back and were willing to defend near the end of the game to try to hold out and, and uh, secure the three points. But I think even at that point, TFC were still relatively in control of the game. Like they didn't feel like they were completely out of control in terms of the match itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, 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 you know, I, I said it in, in the bad as well. I hate it when a team tries to hold out on a 1-0 lead, especially a team that needs to win this badly. Um, you know, I'm not privy to the details. I don't know how gassed the, the squad is and, you know, what kind of substitute plan there is. And I'm sure there's some logic behind it, but it always makes me very, very nervous when a team takes their foot off the gas uh, and tries to preserve a 1-0 lead that, that early. Yeah, yeah, that. The press was way better than I think we've seen this year, and obviously CJ Sapong is plays such a massive role. Oh, in he's that. such a and terrorist! Then, I love him. I love him. Yeah. Well, like that, and and also he makes the job easier for the players that are playing behind him, the midfield three that are playing behind him, because if CJ Sapong's taking away one passing lane, then that means you know a player doesn't have to cheat and go step as much as maybe they would have had to when someone's not taken away. A passing mm-hmm. lane so he's he's smart like that and also the way that he provides pressure underneath like that also helps out when when it comes to winning the ball back so obviously Sapong was, was fantastic there as you guys mentioned correctly like Insigne Bernadeschi absolutely bought in Jeff you had it in your good I believe that Bernadeschi's mm-hmm. pressing uh yeah yeah you, the commitment you, on both sides I I think I mean I'm forever impressed with his work rate I did not expect yeah. him to have that kind of work rate and I'm sorry if yeah. I jumped in before you asked me the question. No, I was going to say, did you like Bernadeschi's game overall on Saturday, on Saturday night? <sighs> he feels a little bit, they, Richie and Fede were a little bit out of sync for me. Um, and, and I guess it comes to this. And this is what I also said about Lorenzo. It's very difficult because it doesn't matter what the dude's doing. If he's on the pitch and he's getting a ball in the attacking half, he's like a black hole for MLS defenders and midfielders, right? He destro- he creates so much space just because of the weight of Insigne getting a ball, you know, that you almost want to plan for that, but how do you plan for chaos? Like, I understand the difficulty, you know what I mean? Like, do you want... Lorenzo to attack or do you want him to just be that fulcrum that like whenever he gets the ball he's just sucking everybody out of shape to create space for the Sapong for the for the Osos to run in and get it and get a shot at the box it's difficult because they could both be successful I don't think you can do both at once and that might be the difficulty with how Lorenzo's fitting in because it really is like a kid in a candy store like oh he can do that he can do this he can do that he can do this there's so many different ways that we can utilize this guy that I don't think they've actually 
settled on one yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or and he I, had. Yeah. And I think you can, for Lorenzo, and I think you can kind of look at Federico and the way that he plays with Richie Larea, right? I, you could see it on the goal, right? It, it happens on that same side where Federico Bernardeschi can, can go into the middle or go and try to cut in the left foot and just suck in so many defenders and midfielders trying to take away the thing that everybody knows he wants to do, right? It's like the yeah. Iron Robin. Yeah, the reverse You know he can do Robin, it. Yeah. It's just like, uh, can you stop him, right? But at the same time, that opens up so much space for Richie Larea, uh, that underlap, to go into that space and drive and make something happen. And that's exactly what he did, right? He got the ball. He drives towards the defender. I, fit, I felt like Richie could do that even more. Um, on mm-hmm. Saturday, but in this case, he goes and he takes it to, excuse me, to the byline, and he crosses it in. Right? It's a simple. It, it it feels like a very simple play, but at the same time, that's created because Bernardeschi is sort of vacated a bit of that space, and it allowed him to go and drive at the defender. And of course, CJ Sapong is just doing what a number nine should do: be in the right spot at the right time. Right? Like just be there for the delivery of the ball for a simple tap in. It looks so easy, but. Look, TFC have not been that successful at it this yeah. season, right? So from that perspective, I think that's where, you know, to your comment, Jeff, I think that's where Lorenzo can kind of be the same kind of fulcrum, sucking in all those defenders. And then whether it's Kobe Franklin, probably more Raul Petretta in terms of just mm-hmm. the confidence in being able to make that run. Um, but that's where I think you have that value. And of course, if he's got a shot, he's going to take it. But isn't that unbalanced, though? If if TFC has kind of learned that the that the path to successful attacks right now, or at least previous to this game, was up the right with overlapping runs with Richie and Feta and all that stuff. Now you're asking them to adapt to an entirely different situation on the left, where the idea is get this guy the ball and watch what he does to their to 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 their setup. Right? Watch what kind of chaos he unleashes on how they and how they track back. I kind of feel like those two things may be mutually exclusive, or at the very least they're going to require a tactical acumen from our first team that is so sophisticated. You know what I mean? And again, all points lead back to CJ. He seems like the perfect fit for this transitory period in TFC because this is a guy that poaches goals. And this is a guy that's in the, like, you know, you're talking about how easy it looked to finish that, that Richie chance. He was like off balance about to fall down with like a defender right in front of him. Uh, 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 Sands, I think it was like, they almost thought it was an own goal for a half a second on the, on the broadcast. Um, you know, that that's not as easy to finish as it looks. The guy was doing all the right things. Um, I, you know, we'll probably say it later, but we've needed a character like that in the box to help us along getting the easy goals while we figure out what the hell we're doing while we figure out how to drive stick right i love the ferrari euphemism all the time but these ferraris are standard shift and now we have to figure out what a clutch is you know what i mean yeah like, i can go forever let, so please somebody interrupt me yeah no let, let's just go into cj sapong at this point because like i, I yeah, think yeah. We're, we're dancing around it but at this point before, like we're there now, before we right? do mm. yeah before we do just quickly i i thought bernardeski actually struggled um i ah. thought it was one of his toughest games in a tfc shirt i thought he was just trying to do too much um, hmm. there were times where I thought he could have just, you know, as Lorenzo and City did a few times, just recycle possession, um, instead of putting his head down and trying to dribble through two, three, four players, even though he could do it and we've seen yeah. him do it. Um, there's a, there's more of a complete team around him right now. It's not the beginning of the season where we just needed Bernadeschi to go out and be a superhero. There's more yeah. options now. Um, yeah. and I thought he was still trying to revert to, some of his tendencies that he's built up through the first portion of the season, which at times, again, were successful. I just thought it wasn't successful and maybe the wrong decision at yeah. times on, uh, on Saturday night. Yeah. 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 And you know, and I think that that will come in time as he starts to, you know, there's a bit of a different dynamic now with, with, with Quello in with, with Cervania trying to connect with those players internally. Um, but I mean, I think from, from a, from an attacking perspective, there were times where he went kind of in the midfield almost to pick up the yep. ball and try to, to drive, drive at people. And, you know, I think that will sort itself out, right? Like I think I they're, they're going to be able to sort that out. But even if it doesn't, I mean, you would still take Aryan Robin in his prime on your fantasy team, right? Knowing full well oh, yeah. the deficiencies of the player. Yeah. So if that's, if that's how Berna is, that's how Bern, I, I accept it. You know what I mean? Like, like that's, that's just, that's it, fine. That could be I'm just saying some, player, yeah. sometimes yeah. it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I just thought Saturday was mm. just one of those times where it, it didn't work. 
pick. Agreed. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I can remember sure. a point uh, where he had a million other options and they were all on side, but he still went for the shot and there were like a thousand people in front of him. So, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let, let's talk about him because let's we're do it. Let's open the floodgates. Talking about it. So CJ Safong obviously comes uh, in uh, at the deadline and look, there were a lot of, a lot of thoughts about this move uh, in terms of when we talked about it, Mike, Mike, you and I talked about this uh, on Wednesday, just in terms of, what is a realistic expectation for a guy coming into a team that hadn't scored a goal in a year um, or almost a year? Uh, you know, and, and and I think, you know, I think you, you said it right. Like, look, if he can come in and do a solid job, right. It doesn't have to be spectacular, but mm. you know, be annoying, be that, be that guy that's going to occupy center backs, be that guy who's going to hold the ball up, be that guy who's going to, you know, really cause some havoc and allow your best players to be their best players, then I mm-hmm. think you've got a a decent signing. Maybe not a long-term fix, but a guy who's going to be able to to do sort of the things you need to do to be successful in the way that Bob Bradley wants to play. Again, like you said, Jeff, small sample size, uh, just one game, uh, but positive results so far. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. I thought it played out exactly the way TFC were hoping it would play out, right? You you bring in a striker who comes in confident, comes in already playing matches, and the goal was fantastic. Uh, Just obviously the build-up to that goal, collecting the ball at midfield, his ability to take a first touch and then swing it out to Richie and then continue to make the run into the box, get into, again, a, a dirty area where you, you know, you find yourself in moments like that where you can tap in a goal. It was an easy finish, mm-hmm. sure, but he got himself there at the right time to to finish that off. So credit to him for that. But everything else that he does was was what I really liked. Again, the thing that I, you know, I've talked about this again a lot of times. I you mm-hmm. need a, a striker between Insigne and Bernadeschi that literally works his tail off. You need a striker that's willing to make runs in behind constantly and be okay with not getting the ball sometimes. Yep. Because what that does is draws space, attention away for Insigne's and Bernadeschi's to, you know, do what they do best, which is make things happen. So at least you give them an option to make something happen. There were a couple of times, and I remember specifically in the first half, where Lorenzo, early in the first half, Lorenzo cut inside, CJ puts himself in a really good area and Lorenzo absolutely darts a ball into the, like near the yeah. top of the box and mm-hmm, Sapong's mm-hmm. first touch on that. I don't know if I've seen a TFC striker with a first touch that good mm-hmm. in a very long time, his ability to take Agreed. the ball down and then quickly turn and shoot. Um, that turn thought, was so nice. Yeah. That turn was the, stupid. The first touch yeah. was, was something else. Um, so there it got my attention and there were a couple moments where, you know, he collected the ball, and I think he showed off a little bit more skill than I thought he had uh, mm-hmm. in terms of being able to keep possession, being scrappy. Uh, he did so many things right, and as we talked about already, you know, setting the tempo with the press and his ability to, like I said, just read uh, other teams' breakouts, I guess, if you want to call it that, and their ability to, to build on the back. CJ knows when to go, when to not go, and, uh, you know, you saw that play out really well. And, yeah, overall it's the best performance we've seen out of TFC number nine so far this season. Easily, <laughs> easily, easily. Um, I, I don't know how to follow what you said beyond. Um, it was so nice to see a striker do striker things again, uh, because I've been watching our strikers air quotes, mine do things that befuddled me for so long. And I'm, I i got to tell you, you know, this is the reason why I was always kind of chuckling at the calls we need a young striker from south america we need a we need a a, a, a a you know we need another ferrari a dp striker from europe up top it always felt weird to me because there's just not enough room for that ego up there we need a striker you know we've there's enough ego up top we don't need any more um i'm not discounting it because who knows but i think the secret sauce was veteran selfless and those were two things that people weren't calling for, um, you know, and we don't have any of those. Like we've got how many of our strikers are either on redemption tours, trying to increase their value, possibly in a in an environment that isn't good for them mentally because the book's been written. Uh, you know, I'm not going to name names, but like 
this is a guy, this is the complete opposite. He's coming in, he's excited. He's like, I am excited to see what kind of service I'm going to get from Bernadeschi and, and Lorenzo not. They're going to take my minutes away, right? Or they're going to get in the way of my redemption arc. There, this, It's just a perfect fit. As perfect a fit as can be, as can be expected. Well, I think that was, that's a really good point, Jeff. Like the personality of CJ Sapong coming into this mix is, again, what you need. The word you mm-hmm. use was selfless. Absolutely, you need someone that's selfless playing next to Brandeski in Insignia because you're not going to get the ball a ton. And I think if you look at the, he had 30 touches throughout the course of the game, right? Mm-hmm. He played up, but he played almost 80, he played 89 minutes, made 19 or attempted 19 passes. Like he didn't. He didn't touch the ball a lot, but it felt like he was involved a lot. And I think in that's everything, what you yeah, need. that's a great that's, stat. That's what you need out of your uh, out of your number nine position. So I'm I'm with you there, and it, it brings me back to something actually you said, Mike. Uh, you said it a couple of times when saying what TFC needed at their number nine. They didn't necessarily need a DP, although we'll see if maybe that is the case. But they just needed the right mm-hmm. fit, the right type of striker. Right fit, yeah. They were going after strikers that, you know, are, are bigger strikers, strikers that, you know, have good hold-up play, but not necessarily strikers that were the most mobile. CG Sapong gives you, like, a little bit different of a profile. And mm-hmm. so far, early returns, we'll see exactly. It's too early to say whether or not he is the solution. But so far, it looks the best that we've seen in a very, very long time and probably the best that we've seen between Insigne and Bernadeschi. Yeah, and, and that was kind mm-hmm. of, you know, the, the point was that you can find those type of players in MLS. They exist, right? Like they're not, you're not going to be the biggest names. They're not necessarily going to be guys who are putting butts in seats or n- nobody, I, I mean, I, I guess a few people will go out now and get a Sapong number nine jersey, but I don't think they're, you know, <laughs> people are going to be batting down the doors to get Sapong number nine jerseys, right? It, the idea is that he's a player that can fit in and do a job, right? And, and sometimes that's that's all you need. And look, yeah, you're right. They may end up in the end going to get a, a DP number nine. I don't think it's going to be the summer. I think right now CJ Sapong is the answer to the end of the season, mm-hmm. unless something happens, right? Unless they somebody comes in and gives an incredible offer for Jaquil Marshall Ruddy or someone in the league all of a sudden really values Io Akinola and wants to take on this deal. And wants to trade and, Carlos Vela and, for him, yeah. Or, exactly. or wants to give us a boatload yeah. of allocation, right? Like I, I don't <laughs> see that happening. So, you know, to my point, you know, in the write-up here is I think he might be sort of the solution for a longer period of time. And then what you're hoping is that it gives Diamande a little bit more time to get himself fit, get himself acclimated. Timing of that was perfect. Exactly, mm-hmm. right? And, perfect. and it's just, they can kind of play off each other that way um, and sort of swap in and out for each other. Yeah, Terrence McGirt's saying also allows Dio to do what he does best and be an impact bench forward. Right. And yeah, that yeah. I, I that's what I said last week where Diamande wasn't brought here to, to start for TFC. That wasn't the intention. It, that's just the way it played out with the way that training camp sort of played itself out. And Dio mm-hmm. earned that starting number nine position, but he wasn't meant to come in and play 90 minutes every match. As Serge McGirt said, he's best off the bench as an impact sub. And we surprisingly, I I saw we saw Dio come on the last couple minutes of that match. For, uh, like yeah, like a half a minute. It was weird. I, but whatever. I, was like, I don't remember. I'm like I don't remember him being that that quick. Like it looked <laughs> like he had a little bit of an extra spring and stuff. Is good, <laughs> good to see him back on the pitch, and hopefully we see more of that because he's a guy that we saw a little bit in preseason that could actually make a difference at that number nine position. It's just a matter of how many minutes can he play. Yeah, he's not sure. just a number nine; he's a double number nine. Well, Speaking of which, <laughs> uh, do we know any other players that wear the double ninety nine? Any other center forwards? Uh, well, Buanga, I think for LAFC. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and he's okay, pretty so. good. Last time I checked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get um, him instead. No, no, yeah, saying. but I don't, I don't know anybody. <laughs> well, it's else an LAFC thing for forwards to wear the the double nine. Yeah, That's I don't know if anybody else wears. Uh, double nines. <sighs> I don't. I can't think of. I'm sure there is. And is it a Gretzky shout? Is it a Gretzky shout? Or is it just uh, why be a nine when I can wear two? Nine? No, it wasn't a great. He was interviewed in LAFC yeah. about that because obviously Gretzky mm. played in LA, right? But uh, oh yeah, no, of course, of not, course, yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. wasn't. Uh, it mm. wasn't that. Um, but interesting that you know when you think of 
sort of this nine position. Right, uh, of course. Well, yeah, and and OG Ronaldo and right. AC Milan. We're idiots. We're so tired today. We forgot about we forgot about the OG Ronaldo. How yeah. can we have a soccer podcast? But that was uh <laughs> yeah, but that was the, that was like the Ronaldo. You're like, yeah, it's not mm. the Ronaldo you want. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, if from from Sapong's sort of point of view, you know, I, I think a lot of people were kind of like throughout his career, he's kind of had the mm. close comparisons to somebody like Kai Kamara, right? Um, whether that is, you know, right or wrong, it, it, mm. it, it's been there. It's been there. Um, and and I, I, I get it. Why do you do? We know why. Yeah, we know why. But like it, at the same time, there are, there are some, there are some, uh, there are some small things that I think the two of them mm. do. Um, that that I've always thought that we needed as a as a striker here at TFC, cool. and kind of why I was always pushing to maybe get Kai Kamara as as a guy. I still want him. He's got to do the treble, man. He's got to play for every Canadian MLS side in his. Career. He's like forty, but I he don't still care. Yeah, like, yeah, he bangs in goals in this league. It's it's incredible. Um, I'm not saying go get Kai Kamara. That's not what I'm saying. But like, well, especially not now. Somebody who could yeah. do that kind of role. Yeah, like, yeah, I agree. Kind of I agree. And CJ Sapong, maybe not at the same level, because obviously Kai Kamara has played for a million teams and is probably going to end up by the end of the season being MLS's all-time goal scorer, goal scoring leader. But he hmm. can he can really he can really bring that physical presence, but at the same time has the skill, right? Has a lot of that foot skill that you were talking about, Mike. Um, and I think that makes him dangerous as a starter or coming off the bench if you find another solution there, or you know, if if Dio gets hot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my realistic DP or MLS player to always slot in at that number nine position between Insigne and Bernadeschi. It's a, you know, CJ Sapong's a light version of this player. It's Tati Castellanos. Mm-hmm. I would love to have seen Tati Castellanos in between guys like Insigne. I know probably a lot to ask for, but yeah. between Insigne and Bernadeschi because the way Prime... that he works his tail off and his ability to score. Yeah, I would say Prime Joseph Martinez or even... I want to say Wando, but Wando's such a such an outlier. Like he he's he he scored some. I don't know. Like he's a poacher, but also like a like a scolzy kind of kind of late forward into the box and 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 making those goals. Yeah, I would say BWP the way BWP played, like the classic classic English style center forward, just making those runs in the channel, endless runs in the channel, just being a pest, an absolute pest. Um, uh, I just saw this for the first time. Kobe Franklin looks like he belongs. Can we? Uh, can we allow? Oh, before I get into that, actually, I don't want to get into that because I think they're similar. And I, the less we talk about how Kai Kamara and CJ Sapong are the same person, I think the better we are for our souls. <laughs> so, <laughs> wasn't really making yeah, it yeah. about that, but sure, no, no. you know, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no. But like, yeah, no, just yeah, really yeah. quickly on on, on Kobe because mm-hmm. you know he came in. Um, as a late sub, um, Raul Petrata was in the 11, was supposed to start um, late scratch after the fire alarms went off. Um, oh, we but, haven't even discussed that madness. But okay, yeah, whatever. yeah, we'll, we'll get to that maybe at the end. <laughs> mm. But, um, you know, he came in and look, again, I, I thought Kobe was solid, right? I don't think he, again, was going to necessarily, you know, be on a match of team of the week or anything like that. But again, a solid option that you're now developing through your academy and through TFC2 and can come into the lineup and and do a job, do a, job. Do a really good yeah. job. And I thought he was fantastic. I think he's he's still got to learn a little bit on how to, and it's not easy, right? You're playing with Lorenzo Insigne. It's not the easiest thing in the world to just go in there and, and figure it out. But if he can start to get that sort of offensive part of his game where, and I know, Mike, you you know, we know him as an off, more of an offensive back than a defensive one but i thought he was a little bit i don't know if, if gun shy or tim is the word of making those yeah. runs but he, mm. you know that that's that's his strength right and that's something you want to see develop in kobe franklin yeah i think that's fair um just first just the decision i think to put him in the lineup again another thing we have to compliment and commend bob bradley for because it would have been so easy for this team to shift Richie Larea over to left back and put in Jaquil Marcheretti or even start Jaquil Marcheretti at left back because he's been the guy so far this season for TFC off the bench. Mm-hmm. But Bob Bradley goes with, with a hunch um, because of what he's seen out of Kobe Franklin in training. And also context wise, it's important to mention like up to this point, 
Kobe Franklin's had a, a, a few appearances for TFC, but nothing that really stood out that warranted really that he should be the guy that comes off the bench and starts this mm. game aside from, you know, stuff that we're not able to see, which is what Bob Bradley went on, went off. It's just how good Kobe Franklin was looking in training. So for Bob to instill the confidence in Kobe Franklin to start him in a really important game against New York city FC after Petretta goes down to warm up, I think that's, that's a, again, Obviously, it paid dividends, and Kobe Franklin came out with some with some confidence playing. The, there was one play in the first half. Was he rocking a mustache? Because I, I don't, I don't think so. Okay, I, okay. I don't. <laughs> yeah, he's just nineteen. Man. Um, right. you know, there's this one play in the first half where I don't know if you guys saw it, but he megged the yes. NYCFC forward. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, confidence. <laughs> that, absolutely caught my eye i'm like kobe i don't know kobe has that in him right now and that just that told me sauce. the amount of confidence that he's uh he's playing with and bob bradley after the game he called him a footballer right and he's 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 a really smart player kobe franklin uh and just 19 years old there's still a lot of growing obviously that he's gonna do but easily the best performance we've seen out of him so far in a tfc shirt for him to go in and put in that shift on both sides mm. of the ball um, that was that was some really impressive stuff, and you got to give him a lot of credit for his ability to, to like I said, just you know fit in. He did not look like he was out of place no, whatsoever. He showed a lot thing. of poise, and yeah. yeah, 19 years old for a fullback to do that—that's that's. I mean, I think that means you have a really good one in in their system. And obviously, this is a guy with a lot of high pedigree too. Like when he was coming up. He played on the same, you know, U seventeen national team that went to the World Cup in Brazil with Jaden Nelson, with the Ralph Priest, yep. so the Andre Kerr is he's right up there in terms of pedigree. So he's uh he's definitely one to watch in the future and again a really good shift by Kobe. On his offside, Absolutely. by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think that that only bodes well as you're going into these large stretch of games where you're gonna start playing Saturday, Wednesday, yeah, Saturday, point. Wednesday for a month almost solid until we get to nations league so that is uh right. that's going to be uh, that's a big thing and uh before we jump into burning question uh of the week i think you know the, it'll kind of segue into it um really quickly if we could talk about uh Coelho. i'm always wondering if i'm pronouncing Coelho. it right. Coelho, right i Coelho. i'm pronouncing that wrong um but was again um solid right like I, most touches on the team uh most passes on the team they really played through him uh on mm-hmm. saturday and very much was the metronome and uh, we'll get into this in the burning question really quickly but um you know just overall thoughts on you know him and and the growing slowly growing influence he's having on in terms of the team when he's playing yeah, you know, he needed this type of performance, I think, right? He had a bit of a rough game the last time out, was substituted off at halftime. So he gets a chance now to start mm-hmm. again with Michael Bradley out of the lineup and obviously Jonathan Osorio as well. And yeah, he had he had such an amazing, amazing game. Like you said, Mike, his ability to, to keep possession, his ability to read the right passes. Like you said, he was an absolute outlet for the team anyone was feeling confident in giving him the ball despite you know which area on the pitch it might be um so it, you can tell he has a lot of trust uh, in his teammates and yeah his poise his composure everything on the so ball silky. he's got that he's got that spanish silk to him you know yeah. so a, silky a spanish my favorite kind of a spanish midfielder i mean you had me at spanish midfielder basically that's my <laughs> that's 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 my profile well, of you, player you I, love I'm sergio not... busquets too yeah, no, you see a little Busquets, bit of Sergio not, Busquets in Not it. as much as I love a certain Sesc Fabregas, but anyway, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I love I love my my Spanish midfielders. He's amazing. Um, I the loved type it. of I like that look. That look, and I mean, he's he's getting he's growing in confidence. Very different look. I'd like to see what him and Bradders look like on a pitch together at at full health. I think I might be really interested to see that later on when when Quello's uh got some more confidence we saw that yeah, Maybe, saw that. yeah no but i mean that. as he as he develops more confidence yeah he played in bradley's absence mm, yeah enough. yeah he's getting more and more uncomfortable but also like we i think we have to know like the type of game that tfc were playing at home those games mm-hmm. suit him 
right? It's not just sit back and absorb pressure and defend and, you know, set up in the low block and be that piece in the middle that's so important to winning the ball back and being steady. It was more so, let me play through you and we're going to do more on the ball than we will sort of off the ball. Um, I think that's the next step in his evolution is just, you know, being a little bit more nasty, being a little bit more, have that bite to him when it comes to Mm -hmm. tackles. Make it not friendly to play in a midfield against you because you are going to be put in that position at times, but on the ball, everything he does on the ball is 10 out of 10. So good. His ability to read the game is unbelievable for someone who's what is fourth MLS game, fifth MLS game. Um, That part to me, the way he's been able to transition from TFC two and to this first team and make the jump, that part's been the most impressive part to me. Exactly. Um, Even though TFC two have not won a game this year, you're you're all you're already seeing sort of the the pipeline starting to make sense, right? It's starting to even out, and you're starting to see the talent start to come through after some rocky, let's be real, rocky times in terms of well, sort of that pipeline or that pathway from getting from the academy to TFC two to the first team. Yeah, Coyo is an exception to that. Yeah, I, I, I was just he, about he to say. Transplanted I think now. this I is think a unicorn. True. I think he might be a unicorn that affects. Uh, well, how we to look a certain at. extent, but it's, I mean, we yeah. just talked about Kobe Franklin, right? And he went through the full path. Kobe, yeah. yeah, Kobe. I'll yeah. give you that. But Coelho joined the TFC two team last season out of college. Just give you guys like a quick rundown because I know I saw you mm-hmm. ask this question to Grassi. Yeah, well, um, Grassi's going to come on as a special guest. So, so yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give a, a cliff notes. Yeah. Um, mm. So Coelho joined T two out of college last year so he left college early mm-hmm. which made him ineligible not ineligible but in order for him to sign with the first team last year he would have had to have cleared waivers because he wasn't mm-hmm. eligible for the super draft and he wasn't eligible to sign a first team contract straight so what they did was they signed him to an mls next pro brought him into a bunch of training sessions with the first team you know he played a lot captain essentially tfc2 last year and had a really good developmental year. Does that mean he would have absolutely walked into the first team last year? No, not necessarily. I think he's taken some really important strides this year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, to in his development. So there was that that blip. Why he didn't, you know, make the jump was a technicality, but also maybe perhaps he just wasn't ready yet. So in a way, yeah, sure, you got to compliment TFC too for that because he had a really good year for them last year. But also, as you said, Mike, shout out Kobe Franklin too is coming through that academy. Tommy Antonoglu, we'll see what, what he develops into, but another guy who's, mm. you know, bouncing between the first team and the academy, Hugo Mbonge, another one who, by the way, two goals in two games for TFC2. Um, mm. He's doing mm-hmm. some really important work. So, yeah, there's they're also, again, I know I'm going to T2 right here, but they're also make, playing a lot of academy players on TFC2, yes. which is really important because they're getting the 17-year-olds, the 16-year-olds, the 15, I don't know about 15, but 16, 17-year-olds, consistent minutes at a pretty decent level so on the one hand yeah we can say they're winless in four games but to me that doesn't really matter to me it's Mm -hmm. lazar stefanovic is starting four matches at mls next pro adam perlman's getting consistent minutes other academy players are getting consistent minutes for that second team so that's a i think that's an intentional thing tfc tfc2 and tfc as a club are doing this year in terms of getting uh his guys minutes yeah for sure Uh, I mean, you you do still want to see if they can make a playoff run because they didn't make the semifinals last year. Um, but not a mm-hmm. TFC two corner at the moment. We'll bring on Jane Grassi uh, to have that uh, mm-hmm. this time. But uh, let's uh, let's start wrapping up the show uh, by firing up this week's burning question uh, presented by Nextdoor. Love that graphic. Uh, the burning question presented by Nextdoor. Nextdoor is the official community app of Toronto FC. It is also where you can connect with the people and local businesses in your neighborhood. We'll be posting the burning question each week on Nextdoor's TFC fan group. So, so, so join today by downloading the app and going to nextdoor.ca. Uh, we posted it yesterday. We posted it as a poll um, nice little turnout, by the way, 86% mm. people agreeing with this, but should Alfonso Cuello, uh, get more Alonso. starts in the, uh, in, in the, <laughs> midfield? So, I am butchering. I apologize. Uh, Alonzo, I am butchering. You, know why? you owe me an Ovo shirt. You owe me an Ovo shirt. I know mm. because an we had this shirt. conversation earlier in the day and you got me thinking about Alonzo morning. 
and the yeah. Z in there. But anyway, um, should he be getting more starts in the midfield for Toronto FC? Uh, so in next door, 86% agree that he should. Uh, with uh, Karina D from Whitby chiming in saying, yes, he should. Why not? He barely lost position and handled central midfield with a lot of confidence, liking what we saw from both him and Kobe Franklin. So she's also on the mm. Kobe Franklin train. Right on. Um, it. Yeah, on. yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, so, you know, we talked about him a little bit, but what have you guys been saying? We posted the question uh, earlier today on Twitter. Sean Levy, friend of the show, um, just says 100% hasn't looked out of place. Uh, he has confidence uh, with his game. Uh, you know, a few people also sort of agreeing. Uh, Chris Fung just saying calmness on the ball, ability to spray passes all over the field was impressive. It's like I predicted this on a live show or something. Yes, you did predict. Yes, this on but a live what show, what about Fung. his skill at rest defense? Because we all know how important. Rest <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, look, a, a lot of people are on the Cueto train. You know, they 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 see the talent. Um, you know, in terms of that, of course. The question will become, you know, what happens when Michael Bradley gets fit? What happens? That's what when I Jonathan love about Astorio this question. Because there is only one answer. He's going to get them. So I hope you like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, look, a lot of people in the comments are saying, you know, maybe you put him in for Mark Anthony K. And, you know, some people are are still on sort of the Mark Anthony K bash train. Um, I'm not quite there, though. I, I understand why. Um, but there, there are a lot of people also saying, just look, if there's a spot for him in the midfield, you know, maybe give Mark Anthony K a rest here and there and put him in uh, that position. Though I don't think there are two players that don't quite do the same thing. Um, also, also correct me if I'm wrong, but that's not a, that's not like players seldom get round into form when they're struggling by not playing. Right. So this idea of like, well, give him a break and he'll sort himself out. Isn't that the absolute wrong thing you want to be doing when a player is looking for form? They need more minutes, right? Or am I taking crazy pills? I think depends on the situation. Like sometimes it's okay for a player to take a break to reset and okay. and go back in the pitch. But yeah, sometimes they have to work through it. Um, I personally, I don't think anyone in TFC's midfield is out of form at all this year, mm. to be completely honest with you. No. Um Alonzo has a tough hill to climb, right? He's obviously got to displace Michael Bradley. And, cue and the, although cue the Alex comment, <laughs> we found yeah. our next Liam Frazier. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> but, it, but, but that's not a bad thing. That's not, not a bad yeah, thing. It's not at a bad all. thing, but yeah. yeah. But Different if players. you know, you know. If you know, you know. Yeah. Not, not, not the most different. They're kind of similar. They're similar um, in the sense that they're both really great on the ball they can both set up as either a six or an eight i think liam was again a little bit nastier on that defensive side i think coelho and that's movement wise they're probably fairly similar i i think they're pretty similar i think coelho is a little bit more again liam frazier is great on the ball when he has time but coelho is great playing under pressure and, and linking mm-hmm. up with the rest yeah, of the see, team i would see yeah. more of it well as said. an eight than a six Coelho? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, because the the, the sixth part that Coelho's missing is that the stuck in tenacity that Liam Fraser had in space. Yeah, right? You're right. You're right, yeah, Mike. Look, and you're, both of you are I right. He know. could learn to end up being that right, being a little bit more nasty, or being able to s- step into things a little bit more. You know, learn from Michael Bradley and sort of anticipate and intercept things um, a little quicker, right? Like, and and become that kind of player. But right now, I kind of see him as that shuttling kind of eight that can that yeah, you can yeah, give him the ball clear. in space and he can find players in the right spaces. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, something that a Michael Bradley does really well, right? He finds players in the right spots at the right times. He's spraying uh, to make them quick. as you know, exactly whether you're spraying a long ball or just playing it straight on the mm-hmm. on the ground, right? He generally in his passes when he's successful, he's putting those players in great positions to do what they do best. He he was yeah. so great when he played that game against San Jose with uh, mm-hmm. with Victor Vasquez. Like the mm-hmm. their their uh, understanding Don't and obviously me. Michael I, was in I that midfield it. too. Their understanding when they they, they played together, I, I love that. I would love to see more of that. Um, it's a good yeah, debate. Psychic. I actually I don't I don't know if I see him more as an eight or a six. I, I he could play both. Yeah, um, amazing. He played as a six, obviously over the weekend, right? And he had yeah. a really really good performance. He, Again, we'll see. He could probably play in a double pivot. 
no problem. He can definitely play in a single pivot, in my opinion. I could definitely play as an eight, as you as you mentioned, Mike. The only thing, though, I question, just about it's not a slag or anything. Just what does he look like getting into the box? What does he look like mm-hmm. when he picks up the ball uh, deeper yeah. in in That's areas? Fair. Is he willing to make those runs in the box? Um, you know, is that one play when on Lorenzo Insigne's first goal of the season where he dummied the ball through his legs? That's a really smart play. But are you going to be able to consistently make plays like that? I, I don't know. I, maybe he will mm. be able to. I just haven't seen really enough of it. Um, now, in terms of minutes, like, so the one thing I'll say is he, Bob Riley has given him a lot of minutes here, right? And might not necessarily be starting every single match, but he gets, he's played in every single game since getting his first call up. So, I mean, I think that part is, I, I don't know how many more minutes. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know how many more minutes you could really get out of the, this point because you have so much depth in midfield and is he a replacement for Bradley? Not yet, but no, you know, not maybe, even close. Yeah. Maybe one day, maybe yeah. one day he could be that player. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Cause you, we've got two comments here that we sort of can wrap up on here. Um, mm-hmm. Warmpa is just saying the streets need a Cervania Cuello Oso midfield. Um, again, uh, I guess Cervania plays the six there. I don't know. Um, and then another sort of uh, a lineup there uh, from Jack, just saying a three-man midfield with Osorio, Mark Anthony K and Cuello with uh, Bradley coming off the bench. So, you know, people are starting to think about what does a midfield look like with him um, if he's starting. Again, mm-hmm. should he continue to get minutes? Absolutely. Is he necessarily going to be starting every game? No, I still think your best form is still Bradley Osorio and Mark Anthony K. Um, mm-hmm. But like I said earlier, and like you guys have been saying, right now, you know, you have somebody who can step into a role and produce, right? Like, you know, you have somebody that is solid and team, the teammates trust him, And he's most of the time going to put in, you know, a seven or eight out of 10 performance, right? Like, obviously we talked about, um, his game last week where he, he struggled and was taken off at halftime. That's to be expected from a player essentially making, like you said, Mike, I think his fourth appearance at that point yeah, um, exactly. in MLS. Uh, but y- you mm-hmm. start to see sort of machinations of a midfield, a bit of midfield depth that you've kind of developed internally. Like I know Severino was a trade, but um, you, you're seeing that sort of start to develop um, among the team. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, midfield depth is. I, th- I think it's their deepest position, to be quite honest. I agree. Right, I, a lot of people question their midfield depth. I'm like, what? Because you have literally three of your midfielders out of this lineup in Victor Vasquez, Michael Bradley, and Jonathan Osorio. Yet you're still able to put in the shift that they put in over the weekend. Like that's midfield depth to me. And Alonzo Coelho yep. is such a pleasant surprise. I think in the team, I, I don't think even the team expected him to be this good at this point. Um, this quickly, he's yeah. really, yeah, he's really stepped up. And the next step for him is just doing it consistently week after week. Right. And I also want to see what he looks like when TFC have to go away and when they have to suffer a little bit, what does he look like? Cause to me, mm-hmm. that's, that's again, a question mark for him. Can he, does he have the discipline enough to, be hemmed into their own end, playing a low block, set up in a low block yeah. for the majority of the game. Does he have that defensive discipline, positioning discipline? I, we've yet to see it. Um, we've yet to see them have to do that. The only time was against Philadelphia, and it obviously conditions everything, <laughs> the way that it played out. Yeah, some of the goals that went in, you might not attribute to him, but obviously it, it, it didn't work out the way that mm-hmm. they would have wanted it to. So can he do that? You know, We know Michael Bradley can and do it really well. Right. That's why you got to give Michael Bradley, I think, still the edge there in terms of just overall experience and, you know, his ability to do that on on tougher nights. But he's getting a a first class education from Michael Bradley. Right. If you're in training every week, you're getting better. Right. Like as much as people want to slag Michael Bradley, you're going to be him in training. You're going to get better from that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Let's wrap it up, gents. Um, Thank you for listening to another episode of Toronto Till I Die. We will be back next Monday recapping TFC's uh, home match against big uh, New England. Yeah, big, big, big test. test. Top of the East. Top of the East. Um, so we'll see. Josie Altador's return? Mm. He hasn't been getting a ton of minutes this year, has he? He hasn't been even in, in the squad lately. Squad. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I doubt we see him. But who knows? Bruce Arena, 
he likes playing some mind games sometimes. So, you know, you, you might see him just jump on the bench just for, just for the reactions. Yeah. Just for that'd be the first time, right? Uh, yeah, it would be the, it'd be his first time back. You, you um, know, he'll have streamers me. right up to the same fire uh, alarms that went off on the at the weekend. So. <laughs> yeah, if Josie comes really back, he's going to choose violence. Yeah, um, somebody mentioned it to me. The PA system cut out when the fire alarms go off. I don't think that's safe. I don't think that's supposed to. Yeah, happen. it did. It absolutely no. It cut out mid. Um, was it legend? Yeah, it was mid legend TFC. Yeah, because the fire alarms are going off. Uh, and then and then the up. and then I'll say the first name, you say the last. Everybody did it a cappella. But I mean, we all knew that was going to happen, right? Like the second those fireworks went off and that cloud of smoke, that, like that physical cloud just stuck to BMO's pitch. We're like, yeah, this, maybe those fireworks were, were a terrible idea. So <laughs> it's just yeah, of the it's weather, another right? thing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's another it's, thing. So they do those fireworks Apple. every week. Apple yeah, should have known with a 7.30 PM start and this temperature in Toronto, it's all Apple's fault. Damn it. And yeah, that's, that's well, it. That's my we'll blame Apple for the uh, the fire mm. alarms. Yeah, blame Apple. Uh, exactly. Um, if you would be so kind, uh, dear TFC uh, Toronto Till I Die listeners, um, <laughs> like and subscribe if you're listening on YouTube. Um, please, you, please click the bell for alerts. Mm. Um, that's really big for us. Uh, so you get some notifications when the show is going live. Uh, if you are listening on the podcast version, thank you for sticking around through my terrible uh, pronunciation this week. Uh, leave a review. Leave a review on my uh, pronunciation. Um, oh, oh I got podcast. housekeeping too. Yeah, I got exactly. housekeeping too. I'm yeah. trying something new with my mic because it drives me crazy how much louder my voice and my occasional hyena laugh is when I listen back to the to the show. And last week without me, I was like, this is such a pleasurable experience. There's nobody, there's no me just busting in with no inside voice. So please tell me if it worked. And if it didn't, uh, I can adjust more. But uh, yeah, I, I am desperately trying to fix that. Absolutely. So there you go. You got your you got your notes on on the review. So uh, leave a review, especially if you uh, are listening on Apple Podcasts or on uh, Spotify. I had helped uh, some new TFC uh, fans uh, find the show. Um, funny enough, Thanks, a few kids. of them came up and gave me some props and said hello during the uh, the game this week. So that was awesome. Uh, we're starting to build a little community here at TTID, so it's it's uh, pretty sweet uh, to do that. Um, uh, but but on behalf of Michael Singh and Jeffrey P. Nesker, I'm Mike Newell. We'll see you all next week. Cheers, everybody. Have a good night. The Leafs. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.